September 17th, Connoisseurs on the Record, podcast number two, Nirvana, never mind. See how slow it is and how slow I am at getting jokes. It's that was like, clever. No, believe it or not, despite the delay, we're actually in the same room right now. This isn't yes. a Zoom podcast. No, that was not. That was just a really, really well thought out joke. That was well just genuine lag in real life. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm a sucker for jokes like that, so yeah, keep them coming. Welcome to Connoisseurs on the Record, where we just talk about albums from all across time, all across genre. And just have fun doing it. It's the most important part. Like they told you at your middle school soccer teams, just have fun. That's the most important part. And I think we're gonna have a lot of fun. We are. We are definitely. I just hope. It's anything like the first I just podcast. hope both teams had fun. That's, That's exactly how I right. feel whenever exactly I go right. to a sporting event. As long as they had fun, I mean. Exactly right. That's all it, that matters. Anything like our first one we recorded. If you've heard it, it's uh, "Death of a Bachelor" by Panic at the Disco. We're gonna have a whole lot of fun. All right, so Nevermind by Nirvana. What is your, prior to listening to this, what was your experience with Nirvana or exposure, yeah. opinion? Minimal, given how much of a cultural impact they had during their brief run in the 90s. Uh, when I was growing up, my dad had two posters in his room of different artists. One of them was Eminem. And the other one was Nirvana. He had all of their albums. He would always play them in the car. He had a massive case, black leather case, with like 200 different CDs in there. And Nirvana's entire collection was a part of that. That's crazy. Yeah, but he had a Kurt Cobain poster in his room. Dude. Um, he was a big Nirvana fan. So, so. So, so you've kind of had more exposure to Nirvana than I have, kind I would of. say... I've had a lot of exposure growing up as a kid, but as I've gotten older, I really had not listened to their Well, it was more catalog. like secondhand, and you weren't yeah. really... Yeah. I, I mean, you just weren't into it. You weren't really analyzing it. You didn't... What, it, ki- what kid at age three or four, which I was, could understand the music of Nirvana or Eminem? You really can't, order, you can't appreciate in it. In order to point. understand the music of Nirvana, you got to have the lyrics up in front of you anyway. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Which we'll talk about not, more. And but if yeah. you're not even able to read, no, then <laughs> you're not going to hear it and you think, can barely hey, under- yeah, anyone he's who's- talking about drugs. <laughs> anyone fluent in you know lyricism can hardly understand what Nirvana is talking yeah. about in most of their songs, unless you have Genius pulled up. Exactly. So, yeah, no, when I was a kid, my dad was a big fan. He told me about them a little bit. Never really. I knew Kurt Cobain was the lead singer. I knew there was a guy named Dave who was apparently a big thing after he left. That's all I knew. <laughs> after Nirvana disbanded, I knew he went on to do it big things. It actually took me a startling amount of years, like until like even very recently, to realize that Dave Grohl was in Nirvana. To connect the dots. A yeah, bit, I didn't realize it. he was like, oh, the Foo Fighters guy was in Nirvana. Yeah, literally, <laughs> like that's one of that's like Nirvana slash Foo Fighters one hundred and one. Just goes to show how much I follow either band. Moving out, the first time I actually figured that out and I connected those dots for myself was when Dave Grohl made an appearance in, I don't know if you've seen this movie, but the Muppets movie that came out in 2011. Oh, I'm dying to see the Muppets movie. Jason Segel. Love him from How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> um, and, and it was Amy Adams was in that movie. But there's a scene where animals, it follows the Muppets and what they're doing post Muppet life, uh-huh, uh-huh. PM if you will. And, <laughs> PM. Uh, and Animal is playing drums at a local club. I don't know what city it's in, but he's the lead singer of that band, I believe, and I might be mixing up details a little bit, that he's playing drums for is Dave Grohl, who's oh. playing a character in that movie, but I was like, this guy looks familiar. Who is he? Looked him up, figured out, okay, this is the guy from Foo Fighters, but also he was yeah. the drummer from Nirvana for most of their Man. successful Figured run, it out yeah. a lot sooner 2011, than 2011, when I was 13, was the first time I figured it out. Oh, so, yeah. that, the, yeah. It's, it it's, took a little it while. It took me a bit. I just have never... And this goes into my opinion. On my opinion, and my um, exposure to Nirvana is I just never really 
cared. I never, they were just kind of a non-factor to me. Yeah. I remember, it, honestly, in middle school, I just thought Nirvana was the next big um, clothing company. <laughs> okay. Because that's, yeah. I, I yeah. saw people wearing these Nirvana shirts and I'm like, this looks weird. What's it, what's it, what's it about? So, no, I've never, I mean, obviously I understand if it weren't for Kurt Cobain, we wouldn't have the kind of rock music we have today. And I love today's rock or even the rock of say the 2000s because yeah. Nirvana was the very first to introduce grunge and introduce these new elements into rock. So yes. naturally I need to have appreciation for that, but their music I could just never get into. Yeah. Granted though, there are some songs that come on the radio that I really like. Oh, which ones were they? Um, Oh yeah, obviously it smells like Teen Spirit, Come As You Are, um, Lithium, and About a Girl. Lithium was one that I heard, obviously, not for the first time when we listened to this album to study up, but I did not realize I'd heard it before and heard it so often, uh-huh. and it was so popular, and I was like, oh, I know this song. You kinda, and that's the you, case with a lot of you, songs You get exposed album. to yeah. it one way or another because they're just that big. Yeah. We're speaking of which, let's talk a little bit about how big they were. Okay. Looked up a little bit about this. Um, about this album's history and everything and it is so crazy just you never realize just how big nirvana is it was recorded and released in 1991 it was their second studio album and it was the first album that actually featured dave Grohl. i had heard that as well i think so yes that's very interesting it was primarily primarily written by cobain and it's noted for being dark, humorous, and disturbing, tackling topics such as anti-establishment views, anti-sexism, frustration, alienation, and love. Uh, it's been credited for establishing grunge as a genre, reinvigorating rock's presence in the mainstream. Yes, as you can tell, I wrote all of this on my own. Absolutely <laughs> not. Uh, and help dub just... Cobain as the voice of a generation. That's really beautifully written. He... Let's see, where was it? I'm trying to get over to the charting stuff. I don't want to dwell on this too long. Um, top, It was uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit reached top 10 of the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 and went on to be inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame. Makes sense. Uh, the video was heavily rotated on MTV, and then other big songs that came for this were Come As You Are, Lithium, and In Bloom. And the album also garnered three Grammy Award nominations, Um in total, across the 34th and 35th Grammy Awards. Did it win any of them? I'm... I actually am not sure if it did. Hopes, hopefully. I can't imagine I really what other it, yeah. albums in that category would have come out around that time. Oh, yeah. I mean, Pearl Jam was releasing stuff, but I don't know And at the same time, been. imagine being the person who has to run face-to-face with Nirvana. <laughs> yeah, you look back and you're like, oh, I didn't deserve that award. And no. Not at all. <laughs> I, that's, that's, that's Nirvana's award. Yeah, I, I can't imagine... I can't imagine who else would have been in that category back then. I have to no. do some research. I, I do think Pearl Jam would be the second, like, I was right would be we, a good guess. I, right I don't, I obviously dropped. wasn't around then, so I don't really have a solid grip on that timeline, but Pearl Jam I do associate with 90s rock, and it's probably the only band that can come close stylistically to Nirvana. I'm trying to think of what songs of theirs would have been out by then. Maybe, I think Jeremy might have been popular around that time. Yeah, I, other than that, though, I don't know what, <laughs> what album that's all I been hear. from, but yeah. Again, we're very uh, very open about how we're gaining knowledge ourselves through this, and we don't know everything about music and music history. But I think that's the beauty of the podcast. That's, one of the, that's the big thing that I'm most excited about, yeah. is not as much talking about the songs and the music as much as it is diving in. Like, yeah. There's so much music out there. There's a ton that I've never touched. And honestly, unless I have some sort of incentive, yeah. I probably would never touch them. I think... And this is my opinion. You might share the same opinion, but I think a lot of people in the category of music reviews via YouTube and other platforms, they can come across a little, what's the word? You, there's a word I'm thinking of, kind of full of themselves. Pretentious. Pretentious is the word. That is the, uh, I love, I love <laughs> when you nail the word that I'm thinking of. Yes, pretentious. Grabbed it out of the air. Not going to name names, obviously, but <laughs> some of these people come across, we don't want to come across as pretentious at all. We are literally learning along with you is what I would like is the way I would describe it. We're learning about this music along with y'all, anybody that's watching, and basically just giving our recommendation. It's like a Yelp review for albums from us. Boom. That's basically what I would describe it as. Exactly. Not trying to pretend like we're some holier than thou. Our taste in music oh, is better than anybody else's. This is literally just our opinion and it's 
not even the most educated opinion. Yeah. It's just what we feel about the albums. And if you happen to agree, then great. If not, we're sorry. Tune into the next episode and maybe you'll agree with that one. If not, we can talk about it on socials. Yes. We'd, we'd love to hear we'd love to hear your opinion. Yes, we will have up and running by the time this podcast drops some, you know, social media platforms where we would love to engage with anybody listening and please suggest any albums to us and Tell us how you feel about our reviews. If you think we're stupid, tell us. We can take criticism. <laughs> we are we are thick-skinned sometimes. So we'd be happy to hear any feedback from anybody who happens to be watching us. Speaking of our opinions, what is our opinion on the iconic album art for Nevermind? Well, sorry, I'm having to take a sip of my Prime by Logan oh Paul and KSI. God. Sponsor us, please. I think... Obviously, it's controversial. Obviously, there's a lot of different... There's there's two main opinions on it. Yeah, it's art. It's cool. It's whatever. It's just a kid. And the other half of people would say, that's a naked baby. That shouldn't be on an <laughs> album cover that anybody could pick up at your local record store. I'll have you know, one of my favorite fun facts is... Yeah, it was a very controversial album cover when it came out. And it was on the news and people were talking about it. And so people asked Cobain about it in an interview about it. They could cover it up. And he said, well, if we were ever cover it up, we could um, put a sticker over it that says, if you're offended by this, you must be a closet pedophile. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Wow. That was who Cobain was. That was how he was. Never afraid to to speak his mind. I, I give him credit for that. He was part of the 27 Club, is that correct? 27 Club? Uh, a list of famous people, celebrities who passed away at the age of 27, I'm not mistaken. Oh, probably. Yeah, I don't know what his exact age was, but yeah. yeah. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, and I apologize if I am wrong, because that's a pretty offensive thing to be wrong about, but I think, <laughs> I, I don't think I'm wrong, but I don't think I'm wrong about that. No, but, it's, it seems way too specific for you yes, to be wrong. I've I, never I heard know of I've it. I've seen that somewhere before, but yeah, uh, I think it's, I think the album art's pretty cool. I think it's very, very different, very unique and it's meant to grab your attention not in a weird way obviously but it's meant to grab your attention for how out of the box it is i pray to god it doesn't grab your attention nobody clip that and splice that and make me look bad okay (laughs) i would never they would never (laughs) sorry slip there it's meant it's meant to grab your attention and it's meant to be very much different than anything else you probably you've honestly ever seen and it's very successful in doing that which is why it's still being talked about 30 years later and they're still being sued, for, you know, by the original baby in that picture, which I'm assuming you were gonna speak about. If you, oh yeah, no, I yeah, they just actually he just lost the original. The kid oh no in that no picture. no yeah yeah I yeah. didn't hear about that. Thing he's, is though, I think he's been talking about that for a long time. He, he has, just wants to make that Nirvana money. The reason I was it just came up again is he just lost the lawsuit. It's of like course, did not, and I don't you know. I don't understand why he thought he would win, but it, he was going for a paycheck, and hey, I respect it. It's a lot of money if you were to win that lawsuit. So, but yeah, I, I think the album cover is unique and it's iconic. It's definitely a part of history. It's iconic for a reason. Mm. It's one of the most iconic album covers ever because it really just personifies everything Nirvana is about. Yeah, just not caring. You know what? I'm just gonna put a naked baby in a pool and have people buy it. And what did they, they do? Just, they bought it. And we see a lot of all of that. I don't really care what I'm tr- what I'm saying. Sometimes I don't even know what I'm saying. We catch a lot of that in this album. Yes. So speaking is... of which, ugh. ah, yes, indeed. Oh, the, were, were, were were you drinking yours this episode, or did you want to? I am. I will drink my prime as well, but I will drink my Sam Adams too. Hey, right. boom. Be as well. <laughs> Is it November? Is it Halloween? No. It's Sam Adams' Oktoberfest season. Um, spoiler alert. By the time this comes out, probably will be October. And that Halloween is season. true. So, happy Halloween to anybody watching this, because I'm assuming that's about when this is going to be released. Happy October. And if it's not, then this was just the way. <laughs> if it's not, then we are slacking, and we really need to get our asses in, in, full, in full That's true. That's true. Then let's get it into gear. Let's, let's get start yes, sir. with this might be in at least my top five favorite album openers. Smells like Teen Spirit. The song that literally started it all for them. And they opened this album with it. What do you think of this song? Was this one of those that you probably already heard? I'm sure everyone heard it at some point. Yeah, it was a 
mean, one of the biggest songs of the nineties, I want to say. Mm-hmm. I mean, probably biggest songs ever. But we went. Like no, you, we were both born in ninety. I was born in ninety eight. You were ninety ninety nine. Yep. I always forget that. I'm so used to being the youngest guy in the room. It's an odd <laughs> change of pace for me. Yeah, uh, we're nineties babies technically, but I love it. I think it's it's iconic for a reason. It's listed as one of the greatest songs of that decade and in history for a reason. And it'll it, it, it elicited sets, a um, an iconic Weird Al song. It did. Smells like Nirvana, <laughs> which I highly encourage anybody who has not delved into Weird Al's discography to do so. Weird Al's the man. I've really been sla- I, I love him, but I have not listen to near as much of him as I should because I feel like he has a, such a massive discography. He's like Johnny Cash. How do you listen to all of it? Yeah, he's got almost, if not 20 albums, I want to say. Good God. Back in the 80s and 90s, he was dropping them every year That would be a month-long affair, bro. Yeah. Well, maybe when uh, when his movie comes out in a couple months, we'll do an honorary episode where we review a Weird Al album. Ooh, just for I would love to review a Weird Al years. album. You can expect that somewhere down the line. would be hard to pick one, I will say, but to answer your question, yes, I think it's, like I said with Panic at the Disco and Death of a Bachelor, I think the goal of an album opener should be to set the tone for what you're going to hear the rest mm-hmm. of the way through, and I think Smells Like Teen Spirit does And this that one's already perfectly. getting you want to get in yes. the mosh pit, and yes. you're like, you're ready for whatever's yes. coming next. It's making you want to do exactly what those kids are doing in the video, uh, in the music video. <laughs> exactly. That, I, it's it's a perfect album opener. Yes. Opinion. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. Now, how about, had you heard In Bloom before? Like, this was one of those songs where I thought I'd never listen to it. And then I listened to it, and this was where I'm like, oh yeah, I've heard this one before somewhere. So the next two songs, I believe, is three lithium? Uh, No, three is Come As You Are. Come As You Are. Okay, so the next three songs, honestly... I had heard before, because I believe tracks one through four on this album were the songs they released as singles. Tracks one, I'll go ahead and say preemptively, tracks one through five is one of the best five song runs I've ever heard on any album. Remind me of five again. It goes... Is that Breed? Teen Spirit, In Bloom, Come As You Are, Breed, and Lithium. Oh, it's Breed and Lithium at five, okay. Oh, it is such a lineup. Yes, it is. But, In Bloom... So, were you familiar with this? I was was familiar with it, and I like it. I like the song a lot. But for one of the songs that I've been familiar with in the past, I went back and listened to it, and it wasn't necessarily one of the ones that stood out to me on the album in terms of being at the top echelon of tracks. There's so many great songs on the album, so mind you, any song on this album that I say is not in the top tier does not mean it's bad, it's just not as good as the rest. I think it's like the catchiest damn song on the album. Really? I have had it stuck in my head ever since my first listen through. Like I'm just in my own I'm just in my own world and then the next thing you know I'm I'm singing I'm singing the chorus. And so it it, it really stuck with me. Something funny is I actually found out that um Dave Grohl when he was talking about kind of the composition of this song in particular but also pretty much the whole album is they kind of the thought of the theme of children's music so he says sing-along melodies simple performances direct and yet haunting and so they have these the choruses in this album are almost canny to a pop album yeah and the fact that it's meant to be stuck in your head when the rest of the genre is the complete antithesis of pop yeah i agree and i think you mentioned sing-along which is funny because it's like you mentioned earlier it's very hard to detect exactly what they're saying in some of these yeah. songs. So it's hard to sing along unless you really know what you're singing. That's I kind of spoiled myself by looking up the lyrics while listening. Yeah, I really that's did. another thing. Make sure you know what you're singing in this album because you never know what you're singing. <laughs> like You really never know what's being said in this album until you actually look into it. So be sure you're not just saying oh, something to sing Oh, so you, got, so you got hit a little bit while you were doing research on this one, I got you? to the end and I'm... It's going to be that. It's one of the tracks. And again, I'm a little foggy because we've been listening to a lot lately. But I got to the end of one of the songs, and I can't remember exactly which one it was, but there was a lyric that was just jumped out at me, and I was like, oh, interesting. Okay, remind me not to sing that part when I go back and listen to this again. But yeah, and I think the album has a lot of that. There's just a lot of... It's very shocking at some parts. Yeah. But shock is good. Shock value is good if it's not overdone. Yeah. If there's too much shock value in an album, then I, it's usually trash. I think Nirvana more came from like the... 
like I said, the I don't care, the kind of nonchalant, oh, I just do what I want, man. Yeah. Like, that was, I don't know, that was kind of their whole thing. Yeah. It was, I don't know. But to but, answer your question, I think it's a good track. It's just not one of the ones on the album that I was completely enamored with. Not to say it's bad or anything, but, yeah. How about, come as you are. If you're watching on video, I have my guitar behind me that I ended up getting a while ago and still don't know how to play it. <laughs> but when I was trying to first learn, one of the first songs that you learn when it comes to finger picking is Come As You Are. Finger picking? What do you mean by I mean, picking? like, you know how you sometimes you strum chords? You're strumming individual notes. Finger okay. picking isn't the right term. I don't play guitar, so I don't know the terms. But, you know, I, hitting, I in, hitting individual strings instead of chords to gotcha. like make melodies. Makes sense. Okay. And, um... You're, it, uh, Come As You Are is such a beginner song because it only uses the top two strings and like the top three frets. So you don't have to go very far up. You're just moving between three different... It's almost like playing Guitar Hero and how you move your fingers. Oh, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, so it's, you know, you... You're speaking my language now. I understand exactly, yeah. Okay. You don't got to worry about sliding up no, or sliding down. It's all sense. in one spot. And yeah, you just do the ding, 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 ding. So I wish I knew how to do it. So I could have, I wanted to open the episode with my terrible rendition of it. But I don't even remember the first time. It's Fantano style, the way he always opens his videos and playing the bass guitar. Yeah. I love that. I'm a bit of a Fantano fanboy, if that's, if I haven't made that clear in this podcast yet. So, however, I'm trying not to completely bite everything that he does on this. Oh no no! You've between us. you've been you've he's been, just an inspiration. You've been terribly nice, so you're nothing okay. like that's him. That's exactly. <laughs> I'm not going to be getting any DMs for Drake anytime soon either. Unfortunately, telling me my existence is a God, light one. That story was the strangest thing. We could talk about that story for oh, an hour. God, we could. But but Google co- Google is y'all's friend. Anyways, come as you are for me. Yes, was. One thing I like is I remember we were talking about when we were doing Panic of the Disco in a previous episode, we were talking about Crazy Equals Genius, and I said one of the things I liked about that song was the contradictory verses. I was always going back and forth between these two different things. Come As You Are is the entire, that's the entire song. It's yeah. just him saying contradictory stuff. Hurry up, don't be late. And like, it's just going back and forth between these things. And I... Kind of hearkening, I'm pretty sure in the song he's kind of taught. I've heard people um, interpret it this way, and I'm pretty sure that's this is what I think too. Is that it's more of a shout out to conformity, not wanting to conform to different things. Like people are trying to make you conform, they're like, okay, you do this, actually do this instead, actually do this in order to fit in yeah. to like the societal norm. So you I think that's kind I've of heard a say that. quintessential Nirvana goal. Yeah, is to is to make sure their music gets across the point that you shouldn't conform to societal standards. And how their lyrics are kind of like confusing and kind of poetic and sometimes just very to the point. <laughs> sometimes they're but... very confusing. <laughs> sometimes they're very poetic. Sometimes they're both. Yeah. But it's, 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 those are two perfect words to describe it. That's very well said. But I, I, I enjoyed that track as well. That was one of my favorites on the album. Now we have Breed. I'm just really wondering where rock and metal would be if it weren't for this album. Because in this song especially, I hear a lot of stuff that's still in today's music to where if this were to just come out as a single today, no one would bat an eye. This would fit on rock radio today, I think. They were ahead of their time. They really were. I think with this song, the way I would describe it perfectly, at least in my head, is this would be the part of the concert where once this song comes on, everybody just goes absolutely crazy. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You're going to see people running into each other yeah, and absolutely yeah. throwing stuff around and people getting tossed all over the place. I love that about this song. It's just a... I don't know how long the song is, but it's two minutes and th- three minutes of just nonstop energy. And how the whole entire song is basically talking about, you know, having trouble finding someone, having trouble finding a partner or whatever. Yeah. 
and saying like, oh, well, we don't uh, we don't need to like hook up. We don't need to, don't to get a house. We don't need to start a family or we could have all of them, you know, yeah. like which one do you want? So in the fact that it gets that deep of a point across while just sounding like, you know, what are they even talking about? Yeah. But then when you start piecing it together, you're like, oh, wow, there's actually meaning behind all these mumbles. <laughs> Once you understand what they're saying, <laughs> literally, you can understand what they're saying metaphorically. Now, the title for the next one, the title for Lithium always confused me because... Me being the um, tender, innocent soul that I was back when I was first getting introduced to rock music. Where did it go? Is I thought, (laughs) I thought whenever I think of lithium, I think of lithium batteries or something. Me too. And so I'm like, oh, is this referencing a battery? Turns out this is a whole entire song about manic depression, and lithium was the drug commonly used to treat it. Really? So this is all interesting to me because you have done. I think this is kind of in the pattern. You've done really intensive research about. A lot of the hit, like the messages and the meanings I've behind my this whole, album. I've, I've gone my whole life, A, hearing that this is one of the greatest and most influential albums of all time, and B, not knowing what the heck is Nirvana is saying. Yeah. So I had the opportunity to do both with this one. And the moment, like, because if I want to talk about it, I just want to talk about, yeah, he mumbled this and he mumbled that, but I would not only wanted to understand what was being said, but why it was such a big deal that it was being said. Yeah. Because I knew that part of their popularity, a big part of it, would have to be their lyrical quality. Yep. Because they were really breaking the mold when they came out so yeah i really wanted to get all as much info as possible and it was a very nirvana was one of those polarizing bands at least from everything i've read wasn't alive obviously when they were you know absolutely killing it but they're one of those bands that's not for everybody yeah and their music is targeted at a certain audience and they're going to be probably despised by a lot of people who don't fit into that certain target audience but they're going to be absolutely beloved and adored maybe more than any band ever, by the audience that they are meant for. Yeah. And the lyricism, especially in some of these songs, general audience might not understand it. I fall into that general audience mm-hmm. where I wouldn't have even known that he was talking about manic depression yeah. and you know, other and things And he like mentions that. a lot about religious stuff, because apparently Kurt Cobain, oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure he was... Correct me if I'm wrong, but I know part of this is right. I think he was homeless, and then he was taken in by this Christian family. And they were very, they were very Christian, very religious, and that's just not how he was. And so he ends up making references. One one line that caught my eye was when he said, "Sunday morning is every day for all I care." Yeah. And he's talking about being in this Christian family. How it's just I'm just surrounded by this, and I'm like, yeah. the kind of how he's able to just slide those in without you even thinking. Yep. It's just I did not know that either. I did not great. know that um backstory about him that he was taken in by a. Christian family, that's really cool. So he's very, he can tell in, especially later in the song, later in the album, he is very anti-religious, but... <laughs> that's he, the lyric I was going to mention But too, But, but I, he yeah. gives you, he gives you the, um, I don't know. He's I think really it's good, almost more of an anti-establishment in He general, has a good reason to, for it, especially with like his, he felt like he was being smothered in that Christian family, so he has yeah. that trauma associated with it. And it's like I said, I think but, you mentioned anti-religious, but I almost feel like it's more of a anti- like as, like as a whole, well, anti-establishment anti-establishment is the biggest. Well, any that does of, make sense. The church is an establishment in their any eyes. Any sort of yeah. organized anything, almost right. the way things are, anti that basically. Now the this song, okay, this song I was. Did you do a lot of research into the song Polly? Isn't me have a seed? Let me clip dirty wings. Let me take a ride. Cut yourself. No, however, I was hoping you did because I was very intrigued by what the actual meaning behind this song was. And I you have no idea what it is. No, I do know this was the first song they recorded on this album. They, did, they recorded this song in 1990 and the rest of the album was recorded in 91 and 90. Must have been, must have been 91. But this was the first song they recorded. I knew that, but I didn't know what the actual message behind the you song was. You didn't know was. what the song was about? No. Oh my gosh. It certainly seemed You're like there was in... a, something oh, intriguing about it. Oh boy. Yeah, it's... um. It's uh, about an actual kidnapping of a 14-year-old girl back in 1987. Uh, she was returning from a concert in Tacoma, Washington. She was abducted by a man named... This has the names and everything. Gerald Fiend, uh, Gerald Friend, uh, took her back to the mobile home. 
raped her, and the girl whose name was never released was tortured with a whip, a razor, and a blowtorch. She managed to escape when friend took her for a ride and stopped for gas. He was arrested and sent to jail. Wow. And that's why this song, after I learned what it was about and listening to the lyrics, which now you're going to have to go back and re-listen to it with that perspective, it really... Ugh. Makes it hard to listen to because the way he's the way he's singing the chorus is he's he's being really quiet when he's it gives an unsettling vibe when you realize he's talking like that. It's so uncharacteristically soft for him to like. Yeah, not like in terms of the message, but in terms of the way he's coming across. He doesn't want it to come across too strong. And it's so weird for him to be talking that way when it's something that really is incredibly brutal. Mm -hmm. It really characterizes the person who's talking. Yeah, kind of gives him more of an unsettling vibe. But apparently they they played um, Nirvana's played done a lot of benefits for rape victims, and they actually um, had oh a little concert called Rock Against Rape in 1993, where they raised money for a women's self defense organization. Really, which I freaking love. That's awesome. We need more women's self defense. Yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> Organizations, I like that a lot. but Good and I them. also think the song is kind of open ended. But there's one line at the end where he says. She caught me off guard, amazes me, the will of instinct. And that kind of yes. gives you the think of, did she escape? Yeah. Like, or did she try to escape and he kind of caught her, but did she escape? And so is he singing from the perspective of the of kidnapper? The guy, of the kidnapper, of the guy that's doing all these terrible things. That's very interesting. So no, definitely go back and listen to it. And if you didn't know that that was the backstory, go listen to it. It's one of those things where you'll start hearing the song and you'll never hear it without the message ever again. Yeah, that's impactful. That's really cool that they're act, they were active in their time during that uh, about those issues. And I'm sure Dave Grohl, and to be completely honest, Dave Grohl is one of those people, in my opinion, that just seems he's in the same category as Morgan Freeman and I'm trying to think of other people that Brendan Fraser nowadays. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's people that just are beloved, Tom Hanks, and you know they just. When's the last time you ever heard about Dave Grohl? Right. The only thing that wasn't positive. And so yeah. I'm sure he's still fighting those same, those same causes and <laughs> doing all that stuff. But that's awesome. That's good for them. And I'm definitely going to listen to that song again and have a whole new perspective and definitely understand it in a different way now. That's cool. Now, one of probably one of the best song titles I've ever heard of, Territorial Pissings. Yes. know why he named it territorial pissings apparently it's about the mistreatment of native americans and women back in the day i didn't know that yes oh really i did yes i looked that up i looked a couple i looked a couple of things about this album and that song title well when you have a song called territorial yeah exactly i had to figure out why it was called that like i'm not just gonna listen to the song it doesn't even reference it in any way yeah it's just I, I that's I, I did look that up. I will say I, I was intrigued by that title. But I, this is one of those. It's very. It is the most punk rock of all the songs. Like it's just very repetitive, very da 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 da. da, da kind of gives yeah. some pseudo Green Day vibes and yes. people who were around back in those times. Yes. So yeah, no, I I love the sound of it. Like it's one of those total mosh pit songs. There's a couple of good mosh pit songs on this album, mm-hmm. I think. Or, I love that's one thing I like about this album. It's a mix of everything. Yeah, it's it's got something for everybody if you really try hard and you want to understand it. It's got something for everyone. I actually have the best definition for this song. You could totally hear it in any of the Tony Hawk games. Yeah, yeah, you totally. The could. moment I, I first heard it, I was thinking of Tony Hawk. I'm like, man, this is a song I would have discovered from there, I like a lot. right next to the Offspring or something. Mm. I'd be hearing it. I miss those. Me and my dad used to play them on the PS2 all the time back in the day. That was that was the life, man. Now this one, Drain You. What's your opinion on this one? One baby to another says I'm lucky to meet you. I don't care what you think it was it, it just one of the ones that didn't jump out at me either. This one was kind of weaker for me too. Yeah. Not to say it's a bad song. None of these songs, in my opinion, you might have a different opinion. That's kind of how I feel. In too. my opinion, none of them are really bad. Yeah. It's just some of them I prefer than over the others. You know. You look at a lot of different categories when you look at each song, and I don't think it stands out in any specific category: lyricism, instrumentation, anything like that. So I just it's it's definitely. As the kids these days say, 
mid. You know, kind of mid compared to the rest Kids of the, these days are making us sound so kind of freaking the, old. Kind of the, uh, yeah, I guess it is one of the weaker points in the album. Um, um, and Kurt Cobain himself even said that this song is just a simple song about total dorky love. Like yeah. you can tell it's a love song, but from a very, I don't know, kind of juvenile standpoint yeah. or something. Well, that's like, what you mentioned. They dorky. wanted to write like from... You said something about they wanted to write like childhood. It kind of like gives you children's music children's vibes, music vibes. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And this this song has a line, and I had to make sure this is what it was: "Chew your meat for you, pass it back and forth." That made me want to vomit. <laughs> it's such a strange I, line. Honest, I didn't even recognize that line when I first heard it. But somehow cause... Nirvana may, can just slide. That's something I've noticed about this whole album. They can slide the most off-the-wall, weird lines in there. It's almost like they had challenged themselves. Weird can we make some of Because Kirk Cobain, you, you really need to look him up in order to understand what he's saying. So yeah. you're just like, yeah, this rocks. Then you look mm-hmm. it up, you're like, that's what he was saying. Oh, man. It's like, what were they on, is my question, when they were writing some <laughs> of these songs. It paid off, but still. Oh, yeah. No, but here's one that I had absolutely no idea of lounge act and i'd be very interested i did not know what this song was referencing or what it was about when i first heard it and i still don't i mean he it's a a song for his girlfriend is the main thing that i've heard was that courtney love at the time or was that no she's i don't remember her name but she was the lead singer of another like rock band called Bikini Kill. Okay. And she was the um, lead singer of that, and they gotcha. were together. Okay, cool. But no, a lot of references to her in this one. Like they were, they were pretty serious. I think they actually had a baby, or were going to have a baby around the time this album came out. Uh huh. Gotcha. That's yeah. Really cool. But it's a very. Oh, I'm looking at the wrong one. Oh, I didn't really have much for it, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> no wonder no wonder I just went right by my notes. It kind of gives me some older Green Day vibes, yeah. especially the bass riff at the beginning because it reminds me of songs like Longview. Yeah. But no, it really, it was just a good song to have on in the background, but nothing really hit home for it. And I think it's cool that they have some songs that are just about love. And yeah, nothing really special in terms of he what they're He literally to called but... it Lounge Act because when they were taught, when they were titling the song they said that the sound of it reminded them of lounge music oh there you go and so i guess judging by our opinions it worked they hit it they don't miss on a lot they really they they, what they were going for they did and they did it well oh completely this whole album now stay away i like this one a lot Oh, me too. I like this yeah. one a whole lot. And it was so lyrically simple. Whenever you go to Genius, they usually have these um, um, summaries of the album mm-hmm. or like of the song, like kind of describing the history of it and the meaning for it and everything. This is such a lyrically simple song. There it's was so no re- description. It's so re. I don't want to say the word repetitive because that has a negative connotation. It repetitive in a good way. It gets I stuck say, in your head I, like I, that. I said I, I agree it's repetitive, but I would say it's more simple. Yeah, it's just a simple. Song. It's a lot of the same. I mean, it's just a lot, especially the, I mean, the chorus. It's just a lot of repeating the same. Stay away, stay away. And then at the end, though, that's this is the this is the song. This, would, is, the this is the one you were thinking of, where he's where he's song. screaming, just throws in, out. throws in. He like, said, "Stay away" seven or eight times in a row. Yeah, and he throws in, "God is gay." And the, the thing is, he could get away with it because you couldn't understand like. No, he I barely changes time. his inflection at all. I heard it one time. And I was like, okay, just that's don't know what he said, but oh well. I don't know what he says on a lot of these albums. But I looked at Genius and the lyrics because Spotify does this thing, where it lets you follow along with the lyric. Anyone on Spotify probably knows. You can pull uh, up Apple the music lyrics. Music does it too, so it's oh. a common thing. Just trying to flex my spot <laughs> for my Spotify <laughs> friends here. Whatever, it's not a competition. I'm able Anyways. to bum off Apple Music for free. He just doesn't show off. Well, I pay for mine. Let me show off what well, I can do. It, I was looking through it and I was like, I followed along. I was like, okay, cool, cool. And then all of a sudden, I hit that last time. I was like, oh, odd. <laughs> Don't agree at all. But you know what? Okay, cool. That's. And then just go straight to the next song. That's it. And on on a plane for the next one. I 
when I was first listening to this song, the chorus is just literally, I'm on a plane, I can't, I can't complain. complain. I'm imagining him being in an airplane. <laughs> me too, me too. Just like at a window seat, just kind of shrugging. I can't complain. But then you read, and then you, uh, then you read the name of the song and it's spelled a different way yeah it's not spelled like airplane it's spelled like plane and so now and... you're imagining him just sitting in like a cornfield or something yeah. just kind of yeah eh, i can't complain it's an accidental very peaceful image of kurt cobain just relaxing in a cornfield i did catch i was because again i was still curious about what this song was talking about um the he said he said he scratched till he bled that's mm-hmm. actually a surefire side effect of opium use Oh, so there's a there's okay. a drug reference there. Um, apparently, he he said that growing up, and he references this in the song. He would always tell friends that came over that his mom was a demon who dies every night and wakes up in a new body. Okay. Said stuff wow. like that in elementary school. <laughs> I think he's probably even younger or something, yes. but. Yeah, no, I, how do you come up with stuff like that as a kid? He, must, he was I'm, destined to be a songwriter. No, and I'm assuming he had a very troubled childhood. I'm oh, yeah. That, that just kind of makes itself evident in the songwriting and the music that he made. But, yeah, you're kind of right. He was destined to be a songwriter. <laughs> He's got those weird thoughts in his head that no one else really understands. But when you I mean, put you, it have in to song, do, you have to do something with them. Yeah, when you put so, those lyrics and those thoughts into songs, somehow that's when they start making sense. Yeah, might as well, might as well put it on an instrumental and let's just see how it sounds like. Exactly. Oh, wow, this is actually sick. Dang it, we accidentally became the most popular band of the 1990s. Shoot. Whoops. That's Kurt Cobain's. Like, these, are just, these are just his thoughts. These are just what he's thinking. And he puts them in a song and, okay, great. Now we're adored by millions of people. And Boom. Yeah, there you go. It's crazy to me how someone like Kurt Cobain, who obviously, and I don't want to speak, he committed suicide. Yeah, he correct? did. He committed suicide. He, he left a note and everything. Pretty sure. I don't know the full backstory. I just know. I just know the death, and I, know, I and I know the jokes. I know some people so. have conspiracy theories too. We don't want to touch those because those are just, <laughs> those are so awful. Oh, I never want to go down that route. Yeah, well. and but it's crazy to me that sometimes I think he's a prime example of the most mentally troubled and people who are struggling the most with their mental health can produce the greatest art, and it's. Mm-hmm. And you may not have. No one may have seen that coming. They just enjoyed his music for what it was and just appreciated what he did for those people in terms of he lifted a lot of people up who are probably going mm-hmm. through the same things as he did but unfortunately he still fell victim to his own his own brain but it's, it's really cool to me that people that are struggling so much and have a lot going on up here yeah. that people might not understand can produce such amazing mm-hmm. beautiful art out of that yeah. it's, 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 it's awesome turn it into something like so beautiful yeah speaking of Rest which in peace, we end say. with a really good um with a very slow, more emotional song in Something in the Way. No, I have not seen the Batman. Do we end with that, or is there one more song after that? Isn't there one more song? The reason I said one, the, the last one is because... If you there's some history to the very very last song and I'm excited to di- dig okay. into it. But this one was originally slated as the last song and was already in all of the publishing and all of the printing of the sleeves and Cobain insisted that the final song be included on the album. They had already finalized the track list so it was on there as a hidden track. I used to love an art artists used to do Back when we need to bring actually, them back before. But no one will str- ever do it because no streaming one buys is physical screwed CDs yeah, anymore. Yeah, and streaming is screwed it because you're gonna end up seeing it. Most people yeah. consume it digitally, and one they'll see my, it on there. One of my favorite bands ever, Matchbox Twenty. Same time period, almost as Nirvana. Mm-hmm. They were another branch of grunge rock right, after right. Nirvana had moved on. They did that almost every album, and I was like, that's such a cool, such a cool thing. You wait till the end, you wait three minutes of silence, and then you finally hear there's a banger after it's all all said and done. I wish more artists would do these. I wish more people would buy CDs so artists would have reason to do that these days. But we live in a digital world, so that's probably not going to happen, unfortunately. Now, for something in the way, something that's really fascinating, this song, when the album was released, was rarely performed live and not a single. I knew it wasn't a single, but I didn't know they didn't perform it. Like, it was one of their least popular songs. Hmm. Then the Batman happens, and it ends up charting when the first trailer for the Batman released and it ended up charting for the very first time. So many on year, odd years past his death. Yeah. So, that, I mean, that, and that living in a trending and viral world, 
is really fascinating in the music industry because the songs that you wouldn't expect to be popular become popular because of goofy trends. Yeah. Like Break My Stride pops in my head. Um, Like, I don't think that one was super massive in the 80s, but it got a new resurgence. Um, Running Up That Hill ended up getting a resurgence because of Stranger Things. That was the one I was thinking of. And even one of our favorite bands, AJR, how The Good Part and World's Smallest Violin, not singles, not super popular. But five years later, here they are. And then got massive because of TikTok. Yeah. So it's crazy how old songs or deeper cuts can get more prominent solely based on if people decide to make a viral sound them again and if you i mean now what is it 31 years now from was this 91 when this came out yeah 91 and then the batman dropped in 20, 2022 and the trailer's probably 21 so 30 years later and this song that was never played at shows wasn't even released as a single is now huge worldwide because of it and it's a great song too it's really a hidden gem and as far as the lyrics go i love it because this whole song is basically about a guy who's homeless living under a bridge which a lot of people think harkens back to um kurt cobain's childhood in aberdeen washington the aberdeen bridge is a very popular landmark with nirvana fans because it's considered basically the the symbol of nirvana Hmm. so a lot of people think he he likens it to his actual life but he says that it was just a song about... It's interesting. Yeah, artists like Elvis, they're... Yeah, Graceland. That's... People visit his childhood home. Mm-hmm. Nirvana, people visit that bridge. That was his home as a kid. That's where yeah. he, stayed, you know, he was around that area, and he was spending nights there. Yeah, that's very interesting. I and think the, the... the Like, the lyrics that he says of... I'm living off of grass and drippings from the ceiling. The yeah. picture that he paints, it sounds so haunting and it sounds so alone. Like it's so disconnected that he really does feel like sound like he's just alone. You can almost hear the dripping from the ceiling with how atmospheric it is. Yeah. Ah, this is this is again, this is something I am learning on the spot. Had no idea that that was I'm just the guy that heard it from the Batman trailer. I was I like, this knew, song freaking slaps. I knew that when it came on, you were going to be like, oh, wait, this is the Batman. Like, yeah, oh. honestly, and I knew it was Nirvana. I just didn't know it was on this album. This album, you, yeah. You, when you, I didn't know it was on it either. I looked at it because, I mean, it's so far down. You didn't really So a lot of their absolute biggest songs were on this album. Yeah. Even posthumously, yeah. it was still their biggest album when it came to singles. Yeah, great song. Yeah. Really great song. By the way, Batman. Uh, anybody who hasn't seen it, please go see it. It's the best movie DC's put out. <laughs> really got to see it. My wife and I were about to watch it, but as soon as it started, we're like, you know what? We're not in a super dark movie mood. Oh, I feel that. We weren't in a super dark movie mood, and it was very lengthy. And, we're, and Gab's like, I just don't know if I want to sit through a movie that long right now. Let's let's turn on a comedy. So we probably turned on Grown Ups or something. I don't. Okay, but, <laughs> I will never blame you for turning on Grown Ups. That's a great to. decision. But either that or Shit's Creek. If we but if we want a movie, it's more than likely Grown Ups. It is a long movie, but I will say it's worth it. DC has not put a movie out that good since The Dark Knight, Uh in my personal opinion. Now, the ending of this album... When I first heard... What was your first impression when it first came on? First first of all, I saw how long it was, and I was like, Endless Nameless? Yeah, I was like, okay, so this is definitely a... This is a good... This is... It's what an album ending should be, I feel like. And I think for the rest of the song, I, or at least when I heard it for the first time, I don't know, I was just kind of... I was very intrigued personally because an album like this, an album with so much history, an album that people obviously love so much, you're wondering two things. You're wondering, all right, how does it kick off? And we knew Smells Like Teen Spirit. That's the song everybody's yeah, heard yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. a thousand times. But I'd never heard this one before, and I was very intrigued to see what this is going to sound like. How do you end, and how do you put a bow... On one of the most influential albums in music, and what you think of the sound? I was, very, I thought it was, I thought it was really nice. I really did. I really for endless, nameless. Yeah, I, I thought when I first heard it, I thought it was I, the biggest clusterfuck of sound really, that I'd I, ever heard. I didn't think it was a, I, because it was very experimental compared to the rest of the album. I was very, I, that, that was my even on an experimental genre. Though. At that by that point, I think I was so used to everything. I was so you, I knew yeah. it wasn't going to be basic i will say that i knew it wasn't gonna be basic so i was very 
I don't know. I enjoyed it. I thought I like. I'm the kind of guy that likes what you would call a clusterfuck. Well, you're going to love the backstory behind the song because you know how I said Cobain was rallying to have it included on the album. Mm -hmm. That means it originally wasn't a song that was planned to be on the album. The song itself wasn't even planned at all. Okay. How did it? How did it end up there? How did he end up? Why did he want it to be on? It was a random jam. From when they were recording Lithium. Yeah. And Kurt Cobain was getting very irritated that they weren't making enough progress quick enough. So he just started randomly jamming on his guitar. And the rest of the band joined in. All the lyrics in it that he's mumbling or whatever are improvised. That's awesome. He just came up with it off the cuff. (laughs) That's awesome. And if you listen to the end of the song, he smashes the guitar. He infamously smashed the guitar at the end of the song. It belonged to the studio, and it was their only left-handed guitar. And he just smashed it because he was that just... Fed up with the way the recording session was going? I guess. He was just one of those guys. He didn't care how he reacted to stuff. I'm just going to smash a guitar. Okay, that just seems like the... You know, whatever. That seems like a rational thing to do. Don't this is one of those bands that smash guitars after their concerts every time, too. Not like, every time, but on, on occasions. In oh, fact, they have not. a famous live performance of this song that they they ended the concert with it, and he smashed the guitar on stage. Okay. And that was a pretty iconic performance. I just know that used to be a thing, and I know a lot of artists used to do that. I figured they were one of the more popular bands that did that a lot. But I didn't know if that was something. And to me, that's very interesting, because back when... Before this album came out and they were recording this stuff, they weren't all that popular. I wouldn't have the balls to, cr- to smash a studio's, you know, a studio recording guitar. I mean, I guess Kurt was left-handed, so he was the only uh-huh. one that could use it. I wouldn't have the balls to do that. I'm not a big shot. I'm not quite a big <laughs> shot yet. Until before you've dropped this album, they're not, you know, you don't have the... They were already just, they didn't care. They yeah. just didn't care. You and know so what? Whatever. Dave Grohl was there at that point, right? Uh-huh. He's first the first album. one that started joining in. He started joining in with the drums. That's so awesome. him and Kurt started... The whole entire song. And I don't mean to completely skip, you know, gloss over the third member. It's, uh... God, why do you have to put me on the spot like that, man? something like that? Sure, yes, I think you're right. I'm so sorry if it's not. Again, we are new to this. I didn't do this research, man. The one thing I I didn't didn't do this research he has with, like, 50,000 notes on his phone. No, the funny thing is, the one thing I didn't do research on are the names of the members. You'd think I'd at least do that. We know two of them, obviously, but the other one, I guess, is a little less known. Yeah, I guess. It's something Novacelli. The other one, the one that didn't go into Foo Fighters. Yeah, the one that didn't absolutely become... A superstar. Yeah, it became it a superstar even after it. Yeah. So, but yeah, I think it was a good way to end the album. I think it's the backstory adds a whole other element to it, which is really cool. It's just so sums them up. Sums them up perfectly. That's probably band. one of my fa- my favorite story out of all the songs on here. All these songs very story rich, yeah. and that's one of my things I noticed most about the album. Every, just the way everything is said, they all tell great stories. I agree, but I. I don't. I really enjoyed the album. That's pretty much all of my thoughts. I can. I came into this not knowing how, not knowing if I was gonna like it because I was never a Nirvana fan. I never got the appeal, and so I was fully expecting to find out that they were completely overrated because that was my thought for a long time. They're completely overrated. This album does not deserve all the hype that it gets. Then the moment I listened to it, I'm like, wow. Yeah. There's not a single song here that I didn't like. It's one of those albums for me where. While it's not personally my style of music and it's not something I would be putting on constantly, I 110% can see why they became so big so mm-hmm. quickly and why so many people adore them the way they did and still adore them the way they did. And you wouldn't really complain if one of the songs came on. No, You'd just be like, oh yeah, I'll sit through this. I mean, you know, I won't seek it out myself, but if it comes on, I mean, who am I to turn the channel? I added a couple, I added about half this album to my like songs on Spotify. Mm-hmm. And if it comes up, I'll hit shuffle on all my like songs. I'm, I'm listening to it all the way through, 100%. So what would you give it out of five? Are we doing, like, you know, something out of five? Yeah. Oh, smash, gosh. Smash guitars? We didn't think it hit. Let's yeah, smash, smash guitars. guitars. There okay. we go. There I, we go. I personally give this album four out of five smash guitars. Oh, really? Five, yes. Holy cow. You actually, I did 3.5. 3.5. You okay. actually voted higher than higher than I did. That's funny because I wasn't, I'm not trying to profile you or anything. But I was thinking just because. <laughs> just, free. just because you, you right. um, you're, you're, I was the rock person primarily when it comes to our music taste. I wasn't sure if you listened to this, and especially the last track. I'm surprised you I liked picked I really up on the last track yeah. faster than I did. I enjoyed it. So I you, was expecting you to rank it maybe about the same as me or a little lower. I wasn't expecting you to get a whole like half 
star more. It had a, it had, I had high expectations for it, obviously, because I'd heard so Same. many good things about it. Reviews for it were, when it came out, were impeccable. It won awards for reasons, and it didn't disappoint me. Like you said, mm, uh-huh. like I expected the same thing. I expected to come in and finally sit and listen to this album and be like, all right, when's this going to be over? You know, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. ready to move on to something else now. But it, it, it really roped me in from the start and kind of presented a whole new world to me of what really great rock music was like back in the 90s and why they were able to almost form a new genre on their own because something about the the way this album it just jumps out it just i can't i find i'm <laughs> the words of how to describe it are escaping me and i think that perfectly sums that's up that's the thing it, it, it leaves you speechless sum, yes it perfectly sums up nirvana is there's no real weight you can't pinpoint where it is on a musical map if you will there's a whole map of different genres and whatever of music you can't really put a pin on where nirvana is yeah it's it almost that band almost exists in their own plane in their own Part of and I think space. that's what made them so popular. That's what makes them so popular, and it's so unique. And I, you know me, I love. They music somehow sounds... break the mold and fit every mold. Yes, and you know I love music that sounds unique. You know oh, I don't course, like generic yeah. pop and uh-huh. you know garbage like that, or generic rock for that matter. Somewhere you can tell they actually put some effort into yes. it. Like they take chances, yes. they take risks. And nothing about literally not one part of this album could be described as generic. Right, with a straight face. There's no chance, and that's what I. That's why I gave it such a high score. And it was even more like wild when it first came out because they introduced sounds that are commonplace in music now so yeah. if you listen to one of these songs like that one song i was saying what was it i think it was it was really uh, breed. Breed. breed yes yeah. i thought that breed could just fit on any 2020 maybe album. i'm saying the wrong track but either way the track that no, I, was... I think you're thinking of the right one actually because i noticed the same yeah, thing yeah it was breed it was yeah. breed my bad i just wasn't sure but yeah it's just they're trendsetters that just really puts a cap on it. it they were just trendsetters and i almost want to you can almost say that the fact that you know that tragedy happened and kurt passed away at such a young age it almost immortalizes them in music history more than it would have if they had say gone on to release five six seven more albums or were still one of those bands that was pushing 60 and touring they today. They stopped you know when they I mean? peaked. They stopped when they peaked, exactly. But then you see the success that Dave Grohl's had with Foo Fighters, and you're like, well, hell, maybe they could have gone The momentum never on. really stopped. They could have gone on for 20 more years and I almost, never slowed down. I almost kind of see it as Nirvana living on through Foo Fighters yeah. is the way I see it. It's essentially the Foo Fighters 2.0, yeah. Dave Grohl being Do I respect Dave Grohl singers. for not shying away from the fact that he was a part of that massive uh-huh. band? Some artists, when they form their own new band after a huge success like that... They kind of want, I want to leave the past in the they past. Want to see, they no. want to set themselves apart. Well, David Grohl knows that what he was in was something magical. So there's no way he's just going to go through life and not talk about the magic that was being in Nirvana. Yep. It's it's just great pure music, I will say. It's unique and unforgettable for a reason. It lives on in history for a reason. So yes, four out of five smash guitars for me. So we got four out of five, 3.5 out of five. That is 7.5 smash guitars out of 10. That's right. Yes, sir. That's yeah. Correct. Don't question me. I was doing the math in my head. So I, was I was starting like, oh, to bring right. my fingers out almost. <laughs> like, don't say, oh, did he Did he count his fingers wrong? Seven and a half out of ten. Yep. That's pretty solid. Do you remember what Panic was? For our, this is episode two, so we're very new to this. Do you remember what Panic finished with? I do not remember. I We've already forgotten slightly, our previous rating. slightly rating. higher than Panic? I can't remember. Or it might be the same. Who e- knows? Either way, solid album. Yes. Absolutely solid. Well done, Nirvana. And we're 30 years late, but well done. And what do you think of Nevermind by Nirvana? Is this one of your favorite albums? Is this, did this album help you through stuff? Like if you have some sort of connection with this album, let us know on social media, shoot us a message. We would love to hear your opinion because maybe you think that it's a complete garbage album and we're out of our minds. We'll be willing to hear it because we want to hear your opinion too. Probably be crucified in the comments for that opinion, but you know, if you have it, then have it. And by the way, this will be on you. This is on YouTube. If you're watching us, feel free to put stuff in the comment section. Like you said, if you're on social media and you happen to find us, then drop us a follow. We will. I mean, we will be very interactive on social media. Well, I mean, especially while we're getting off the ground, we we love any input. If you guys have an album that you want us to review, I don't. We don't care what it is. We're just looking to explore any kind of new music we can get our hands on, and then give our opinions on it, whether it's warranted or unwarranted. We just want to see what we can find. If you guys have suggestions for us, please drop them. And the fact that this is a podcast and it's on YouTube, 
that means it's it's not live. So that means after we record it, you can check in anytime you like, but you can never leave. There's your preview for next week. We'll catch you next oh, time. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm kind of saying, there we go. It, yeah, okay. The delay is there again. It's like, why are we ending this podcast with me not getting a joke and beginning the podcast with me not getting a joke? All right, I, as, as we go on, I will catch on to these... At a quicker pace, don't worry. Continue your, continue your outro, sorry. That's, that's it, we'll catch y'all next week. Yes, see you guys. <laughs>